As a religious movement, Unitarian Universalism has pushed itself beyond the narrow definition of religions, a movement made of doubters, heretics, wanderers, seekers. Many of, many of us here in this congregation were led here by doubt. It's what led many of us away from communities where doubt was discouraged and where questions were quarantined. Or perhaps you were never connected to a faith community, but began to experience doubts as to the meaning, value, purpose of our life. Ours tends to be an iconoclastic faith where we leave behind old creeds and doctrines, not just for the sake of leaving, but also for the sake of finding. As timing would have it, it's the youth and, ch the youth and children are beginning a new pillar today, UU identity. I'd like, that, I'd like to, to allow that to affect our focus here in the sanctuary also. In exploring UU identity, we're looking at the role of reason, doubt, belief, faith as facets that undergird who we are, how we got here, and what keeps us relevant. What goes into identity anyway? It's a sense of continuity, a sense of uniqueness, and a uniqueness from others, and a sense of affiliation. Uh, it's, what, it's what identity is for the individual, and it's probably much the same for a religious movement. Identity is not finite, it's open-ended, and ever-evolving core where culture, others, experiences, and choices come to form who we are at the moment. Now, a cautionary tale before we continue, and that is that doubting, questioning, challenging are not always well-received. Legislatures, courts, and social agencies are pressured by the anxious few to constrict and contain the forces of diversity. If you remember the emperor's new clothes, the child who points out that the emperor is in fact naked is rarely welcomed by the collective. That being duly noted, we go on. The inception of American Unitarianism was articulated by William Emery Channing over 200 years ago when he claimed that as Unitarians, we feel bound in duty to exercise reason upon the Bible perpetually. So claiming that the use of reason is key to us, we have certainly challenged every aspect of religious life. Reason can lead us to doubt, and doubt is the agency of change and renewal. Doubt is, profound. Doubt is a profound and effective spiritual motivation because without it, no truism is transcended. There's no new knowledge. But doubt is unsettling to us. We seek certainty because we want security, but instead we get doubt. The human condition seems to be one of doubt and uncertainty that there's so much more we don't know or understand than what we think we do. So part of our life is how we cope with this. As I would see in my office, people use denial, delusion, distraction, or evasion. A psychological fact is that we are stuck if we cannot doubt ourselves. So our task, if we're up to it, is to deal with the risk of increased anxiety, which doubt brings in order to receive the blessing of growth. Nothing is simple. 
One of the things I found in doing therapy, that the mark of sensible, mature mental health is the ability to tolerate ambiguity, ambivalence, and anxiety. Ambivalence is a fact that opposites are always present, and we must be able to integrate this into our lives. Uh, this is such as the love and hate feelings that exist in every relationship. Taking on ambivalence is necessary in order to come to any, come to any sense of acceptance. We would insist on having rigid truth or having things in the world knowable because the fear of ambiguity is so great, but tolerate uncertainty we must, recognizing that certainty is the enemy of truth. Dealing with ambivalence and ambiguity will give rise to anxiety, which seems to be the price of the ticket. I'm convinced that we can learn to handle this. One of my core beliefs is that nature has not brought us here unequipped for the journey. I believe this is true for individuals. I believe it's true for religious movements. The suppression of doubt is the secret seed of fanaticism, of bigotry, homophobia, sexism, demagoguery, fundamentalism, because all of these are based on contrived certainties. I don't know if y'all have been watching it, but the long slog through the present presidential campaign, it would appear that the deal is to never doubt, to never be conciliatory, if I said something today, rather than walk it back, maybe think it through, no, we're going to double down. If I called you stupid yesterday, then you're really stupid today. If I said, in fact, you were not a hero yesterday, then today you are a sniveling coward. <laughs> Doubt keeps us honest. There's the idea of reasonable doubt. That is that to find someone guilty, it has to be beyond a reasonable doubt. And this seems to be working from what could be considered objective truths as opposed to subjective truths. An objective truth is that our service will start at about 11 o'clock, give or take a minute or two, and that sometime during the service, a number, the number of people in here will be counted, and so this will become an objective truth. Subjective truth, on the other hand, requires a different sort of, ex of evidence. It is the faith of the truth or trust it's not blind trust, but rather faith or trust that's born of doubt, born of experience. One of the 12 steps of AA, in one of the 12 steps in AA, there is a phrase, and the phrase is the God of our understanding, which I think speaks directly to how our understanding changes over time, as it should, and that we can remain faithful to the mystery of mystery because we don't have to absolutely know and we don't have to understand. Ours is a religious movement that doesn't believe that truth and faith are static, that in fact this is a dynamic faith that encourages doubt, questioning, heresy, realizing that anything of value can withstand scrutiny. A Unitarian Universalist minister, Paul Glasser, characterizes liberal religion as a faith without certainty which is not to be confused as a faith without conviction. Faith without doubt is not stronger. It's simply more ideological. So where does this lead us in terms of doubt, belief, reason, since we have to light somewhere? While it's true that we are a creedless faith, 
that is, faith that is free from dogma. This does not mean that we have no beliefs or that we can believe anything that we would want to. You've got to believe in something, and that something, in my opinion, needs to be an inclusive, needs to be inclusive. It needs to recognize that every person has inherent worth and value just the way they are. It needs to affirm that we are all connected in some way, that each of us does have an impact on the other, which gives us the marching orders to act responsibly and not strictly out of self-interest. Organizing around our seven principles is not too shabby a way to go. No doubt, standing on the side of love can both define and direct our decisions. Because love is so highly sentimentalized in our pop, in popular culture, I'm almost loath to use the word. But it's the recognition that we are all in this together, that meaning matters, and that it is our capacity to bear witness to all, which is redemptive, which is love. And so what would love even look like, since love is the doctrine of this church, which we say every Sunday? I think one of the ways of thinking about it is that love is a way of life. Not only standing on the side of love, but speaking on the side of love and acting on the side of love so that wherever you are, no matter to whom you're speaking, trying to stay focused on love and or justice because justice is how love looks in public. We work in one way or another, making love the foundation, whether it's working at the Highland Blessing Dinner or it's working with Interfaith. We are committed to loving not just those around us, our own race or ethnicity or country, but all people. It's a pretty flimsy love that doesn't include peace, justice, freedom. As the Universalists say, love the hell out of the world. I have to believe that we can move up and down the loving scale because I don't think it's just that some people love and other people don't. And so one of the things that I've learned over time is if you're lacking a virtue, assume it. So if I'm lacking love, to assume some that I can be loving. I can share for myself, I will do, I will move sandbags around the church. I will uh, clean up the kitchen. I will get here early and do stuff. I can do things. It's hard for me to stand in front and be a greeter. I mean, that's not, and I think that's part of how we develop you know, leaning into things and being loving. But I just told on myself anyway. So, um, <laughs> but I'd like to think that I could move up the ability to love scale. I think love requires grace, which enables us to forgive ourselves and others for our small stupidities, our cruelty, our ignorance, our inattentiveness. We accept that we are fragile frightened travelers, as is everyone else. It requires patience because love is never finished, vigilance is never concluded, renewal never final. Patience to stick with something because love matters. A few years ago, there was a provocative movie called The Life of Pi. Pi was the protagonist, and he had an interesting line, I thought. It came after speaking with someone who was an atheist, and about him, Pi said, I felt a kinship with him. He w- it was my first clue that atheists are my brothers and sisters, 
of a different faith, and every word they speak speaks of faith. Like me, they go as far as the legs of reason will carry them, and then they leap. And so we leap. We challenge, we question, we believe. We come to know that doubt is a necessary ingredient in any encounter with mystery, and that doubt is a form of humility and honesty. It keeps us growing. Painter Paul Gardner said, a painting is never finished. It simply stops in interesting places. And so may the same be, the, may the same be said of my faith, which it's never finished. It simply stops in interesting places. And so, as a religious movement, we apply reason to our beliefs and make allowances for changes in beliefs. And with this, we come to the understanding of our understanding, at least for the time being. If reason leads us to doubt, then doubt can be the fuel for distilling out something that may be true, at least at that moment. Consciousness is a gift. I would not want to be part of a fear-driven spirituality, nor one that would try to finesse the difficult questions of good or evil or why bad things happen to good people. I wouldn't want to be one that would seek to scapegoat others, one that would keep people in bondage to fear, one that is ultimately diminishing. I wouldn't want to be part of a religious movement where certainty is doubled down, but rather to be part of one that leads to larger questions because larger questions lead to larger life. And so it goes. <laughs>